I am excited, excited about today. I want to tell you one quick thing before I jump into the message. Um, Friday night, we, Shannon and Travis, did an unbelievable job, y'all, uh, leading the prayer visual for Markel Nesbitt. If y'all didn't see it, um, one of our young people in the community that plays football at Burns uh, passed away this past Monday. Um, just a tragic accident um, in a drowning at Lyman Lake. And they asked us to take part in the prayer visual, and um, I just closed it in prayer. I had a very small part, but they led worship, and they did an awesome job, and I was so proud. This is what I wanted to tell y'all. At the end, I stayed around, and I was just seeing what we could do to help and, and all that stuff. And it was probably pushing 8.30 by this time, and um, maybe 8.45. And um, one of the aunts um, of Markel came up to me, and she just said, Pastor, I hear that your church loves to help people. Y'all, y'all listen now. She went on to say, I hear that that's what y'all are known for. And I was wondering if y'all could help us. And she had a specific need that she needed help for. No one had covered the meal uh, for the family afterwards. And it was a big family and it was a big deal. And like in two phone calls, we had it taken care of. It was crazy just how fast God did it. But this is what I wanted y'all to know. I'm working really hard because y'all know I'm emotional anyway. If, if people come up to me and they say, I'm coming to Four Points because you can preach good. Or I'm coming to Four Points because our worship team's awesome. And listen, they are. I'm thankful for them. Or because we have awesome volunteers and we do. And I'm thankful for y'all. Then that's great. But when our reputation in the community becomes, we hear that y'all love to serve people and help people. I've been pastoring for almost five years. And that's, that's my proudest moment. Someone, <clears throat> someone that I don't know Someone who I've never met comes up to me and says, we hear that your church loves to serve people because this is the deal. I don't know if y'all were here last week, but this is what I heard the Lord say in that moment is, this is how the world's going to know. Not because a preacher can preach good and not because worship, not because, not because, but because they know that even though they may think we're crazy, okay, and we are a little bit crazy, praise the Lord. But this is how they're going to know if we love people. And I just want you to know that this message ties in so crazy with that. But I just want to say to you, this is not about a man, okay? Because I cannot do this on my own. It doesn't matter how much I say this. That doesn't make that who we are. But if at the end of my time here pastoring, the one thing that people say is they serve like crazy and they love people, my goodness. I hope so. That's awesome. And I just want to tell you, I honor you. And I'm thankful for you because you're the reputation to the Lord that they were talking about, not one man. And not even a staff, not even the leaders, but a body. And I'm, I'm so thankful for y'all. And I just give the Lord glory because he deserves it. And I'm thankful today. And so um, now I want to jump into the message but, um, and try not to be emotional anymore. But I just wanted to tell y'all I was really excited about that. So here's the deal with this message today. The title of this message 
title of this message, if y'all never watched the Chappelle show, you will not find this funny. And don't go back and watch it. <laughs> or maybe do. But the title of the message, and it's crazy how it came about, by the way, because I was sitting in the doctor's office getting this fixed. I'm supposed to be in a sling, just don't tell them. And that was free. Some of y'all will get it later. But I was sitting in the doctor's office. I was waiting on my surgeon to walk in, and I'm just sitting there with my iPhone out looking through stuff, doing stuff, and all of a sudden I, I really felt like I heard from the Lord. And I wrote this message. I had it done, and I wrote the message in like 20 minutes. And I was just blown away because the Lord gave me what I'm about to give you. And so this is the title of the message. is Bread Rock. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. I love you with the love of the Lord, and don't worry about it. You know what I'm talking about in the back. Praise the Lord. But it's Bread Rock, and it will make perfect sense to you. But listen, this is important. And then I'm going to jump right into the, to the scriptures because I have a ton today. But here's the one tension that I felt my whole life, and I'm kind of letting you into my life a little bit more, maybe even than normal. But this was my frustration growing up and then up until a few years ago. I believe everything that the Bible says is true, cover to cover, period, and there's no, there's no things to add. But, but, listen, I've always struggled when people tell me to do something and then they just leave me hanging. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Because it feels like manipulation. And God made me to ask one question, and I drive these staff crazy, y'all. Y'all pray for them. I drive them crazy. Sitting in meetings, I always ask one question. Why? Why are we doing that? Why? 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 I was that kid that y'all wanted to punch when you were parents. Come on, talk to me right now. Why, mama? Why? Why? There's certain things that I really don't care about now, like I, I pass like my dishwasher downstairs when it's running. I don't sit there now how is this working? Why is that doing? I just trust that it's working, and that's all good. But when it comes to what I'm called to do, so let me give you a personal example. It's like when it comes to sex and sexual, moral, sexual morality, or me specifically waiting till I'm married to have sex. When we grew up in the church that I grew up in, which was a great church, and I'm thankful for it, but the one tension that I always felt is true love waits, true love waits, true love waits, true love waits. And I just wanted to ask one question, why? Just explain to me why. I, I understand that it's right, but I want to know why is it right? And in all of these things, and the things that I believe, the things that I struggle with, it felt like you were trying to manipulate me into good action, good works, but I don't understand. If God does not give me freedom because of what I do, then why? Why does it matter? Does anybody else in here feel what I'm talking about in this place? Am I preaching to anybody? And so when it comes to the bread of life and to the rock, he is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer and whom I trust. Upon this rock I will build my church in the gates of hell. When it comes to how these two go together and how I am the bread of life goes together and how all of these things exist and how there really are blessings from God that come down on us. But then we're called by pastors to give our first tenth. Why? That seems, that seems silly. This is not a tithing message. I need you to know this. This is much bigger than that. But specifically when it comes to giving, maybe you feel like I do. I'm going to do this. Now listen. Why? This feels like the pastor's wanting my money. If you never thought that, then you're better than me. Or they're trying to manipulate me into getting a bigger budget. And I missed the whole point of why. 
And I just feel like the Lord dropped a bomb on me, a nuke this week. And I just want you to see it. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to go on a journey with me and know that we're going to go to a lot of scriptures, but it's based on the seventh I am statement of Jesus. And it's I am the bread of life. So if you have your Bibles in John chapter 6, I want you to see this. Just a little bit of context. Here's what's happened, okay? The feeding of the 5,000 just took place. They're back in Capernaum. And then he's teaching them in this synagogue that, that we showed you, by the way, a couple months ago in Journey. If you haven't seen it, you can go back and get this whole context behind it. But Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave the bread. And he's talking about the manna from heaven. And that was the message where I preach, what is it? Because that's what manna means. But my Father who gives you true bread from heaven, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And then here's the verse today. Give us this bread, sir. Like, we want some of that. That's good. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. That's me. You've missed the whole point. You've missed the reason. You've missed everything. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And those two things are so important, y'all, as we continue. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever comes to me shall never thirst. If you abide in Jesus and he abides in you, he will do all these things through you. But this is why the why is so important. Is these two things are representations in the Bible. If you, if you haven't been at four points for a long time, the one thing that, that I hope that you'll understand is many things or what we call type and shadow, or representation of other things. And in the Old Testament manna, and in the New Testament bread, and then the rock of our salvation, they're, they're, they're pictures of. But listen, specifically when it comes to this, the bread itself is not Jesus, but he is the bread of life. But in our lives, we get this. We get his blessing. And I'm going to show you in a second. That this is just a picture of blessing. And this is a picture of Jesus himself. But this becomes what we worship, everybody. This becomes what the end goal of God is, is if I worship him enough, then maybe I'll get some more of this. But the reason I titled it Bread Rock is because the two go together. And oftentimes what we do is we focus in on this. But let me just, I'm not going to throw the scriptures up, but I just want to take you through. In the feeding of the 5,000, when the miracle took place, now listen to this. When the miracle took place, it wasn't, when Jesus broke the bread, and I want you to make sure you hit this, God is the miracle worker, not you. But God chooses to do it through his people. And when he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples. And some of you have heard this before, but I just want you to have this picture in your mind. Imagine a, a loaf of bread. Maybe it was this big. Maybe the five loaves and two fish were, were, were this big. But even if it was this big and you're looking at a place of 20,000 people, is it just me or is that a lot? And he breaks it in half and he hands Josh and then Jenny half of this and says, all right, good luck with that. And the 12, somehow he, he separates it where they all get some and, and they're put in groups where each disciple has their own group and they're holding a portion of this bread and he says, now feed everybody. I don't think that they all of a sudden had pockets full of bread. Because the miracle happened when God's people who had been blessed with bread, blessing, gave it away. And then all of a sudden multiplication started happening and it's amazing. Here's another one that I want you to think about as we continue. The rock. 
One of my favorite stories in the Bible is 1 Kings chapter 18, and this is why the rock comes to mind. Here's what's taking place. Three and a half years, there had been no rain or dew. Elijah prophesied that, that it wasn't going to happen. Then there's this showcase showdown on top of Mount Carmel, everybody, and it was crazy. And, and all the prophets of Baal and Asherah come up. There's 800 plus prophets that are up on this mountain. And during the day, they're trying to call down fire from heaven. And all of Israel has assembled on top of this mountain. And here's what takes place. Elijah looks and says, what's the deal? Y'all can't call fire down. And then after three and a half years, and this is why I believe it took place. If it hadn't rained or dewed, what would, have been, what would have been scarce during that time? There's my smart water. It's over there, so I, I'm going to have to go get it eventually. But water, right? And, and there were 20 miles or so from the Mediterranean. There was no water anywhere, and all the ditches and all the rivers and everything was dried up completely, so the people had to pour their water out. And it wasn't until the third time when over 100 gallons of water had, had covered the rock, the altar, the place where fire came down. It wasn't until they poured their water out that God sent the fire. And then, by the way, what the real miracle was at the end of the chapter that God sent the rain. Because God uses you, not one man, but an assembly, a group, oftentimes, who pour out their blessing or pour out the thing that defines them. At that moment, if you had water, it was a scarce thing. Would y'all agree with that if it had not rained or any kind of water had happened? But they used the last bit of whatever they had. They took whatever they had and used the last bit, and they came and they poured it on the rock. And when the last group did it, when, when the third group came through and did it, is when the miracle happened. So I want you to think about these things, and I want to take you through what God showed me this week, and I'm telling you. I really believe some of you are going to walk out of here different because it just completely messed me up. So here's the first one in Matthew chapter 4. Now thinking about the bread and the rock and the representation they are. This is Jesus who is being led up in the wilderness. It says Jesus was led up in the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and nights, guess what? He was hungry. Newsflash, if you don't eat for 40 days, you get hungry. Verse 3. It said, and the tempter, that's the devil, came and said to him, now listen to this. If you're the son of God, speak to the rock and tell it to become loaves of bread. Speak to these stones and, and make them become loaves of bread. And Jesus said, it's written, man shall not leave, live by bread alone. Boy, that's powerful for us. We should not live by just blessing it's great. And I believe God richly wants to bless his people. But he's like, listen, man should not live by bread alone. But every word, someone say every word. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The enemy will offer you good or bread just as long as he can keep you from the rock or God. The enemy will offer you good things and blessing. Listen, later in that chapter, this is what Satan said, the tempter. He said, listen, if you'll just bow down before me, I'll give you all these things. We have a tendency to look at people and say, they are blessed, therefore they're walking with the Lord. But that is not necessarily the litmus test of whether or not someone is walking with the Lord. And someone could be very poor in our standards and be walking with the Lord. But I do believe that God has a purpose for why he pours down more water and more bread on certain people. But now this is the other thing, and then this is what God showed me next. And I'm telling y'all, this messed me up so bad. 
It was the very next thought that God gave me while I was about to get this looked at. Look, my stitches and everything. In Numbers chapter 20, what's taking place is God is approaching Moses and the assembly has gathered together. But y'all need to know before I read this that the people of God, the Israelites, had started pushing back against God, right? They had started rebelling against God. Now listen, and it's because they were grumbling continuously about what they didn't have. That sounds like my house sometimes. Y'all pray for Leah. That sounds like what what it's like to be in my home. If I just had this, God, I would be happy. It says in Numbers 20, verse 7, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother. What does it say? Does it say hit the rock? Does it say touch the rock? What does it say? Tell the rock before their eyes. You're standing before the assembly. That's just like what we're in today. And you're standing before a great rock. And it says, he says, speak to the rock. Mm, I'm about to preach. He is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer and whom I trust. How many times when I'm facing anxiety and difficulties should I boldly go before the throne room and speak to the rock? But instead I just circle around and I live in anxiety. I'll come back to that because that's good and I didn't get anybody to talk to me. So you shall bring water out. You shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and to their cattle. They, there was no water to be found. They were really thirsty. Speaking of really thirsty, let me just go ahead and make a little picture. Praise the Lord. There was no water anywhere for anybody to be had. And he said, listen, if you'll just speak to the rock. Now listen, here's what happens in the story. This is crazy because this is my life so often. And Moses took the staff before the Lord as he commanded him. And then Moses and Aaron gathered the people together before the rock. And so he's doing everything that he's called to do. And then he said to them, here now, you rebels. In frustration, I understand. Even if it's at my house sometimes or even if it's like at the mall I don't go to a lot, or or wherever I'm at, like whatever I'm doing, we get frustrated to the people that God called us to love and the people that God called us to serve and the people that God called us to show the rock. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said, just speak to me. But in our frustration, we get angry. And he said to them, hear now. You rebels, shall we bring water from this rock? Do you really deserve God's blessing, his water to pour out? I don't really think so. And so here's what he did in verse 11. Moses lifted up his hand, and instead of speaking to the rock, what did he do? What did he do, everybody? He hit the rock twice. Can y'all picture it? I just want you to speak to the rock. And he struck the rock twice. And the congregation drank. And so listen, it took place and everything looks good. And I think sometimes when we get a blessing in our lives and we don't do it God's way, we think, see, everything's good. I can do this my way. But something big happened in this moment to Moses. Look at this. This is what happened. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, because you didn't in the, in the most difficult circumstances, when you didn't know where to turn, And hell seemed to be coming against you every single day. And and you were so fed up and tired because you didn't believe enough to just speak to the rock. But you got mad and hit the rock. 
to uphold me as holy in the eyes of people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Did you hear what that said? Moses didn't enter in the promised land, not because he wasn't God's chosen, not because he wasn't one of the greatest leaders in the history of the Bible that we can study, but simply because he disobeyed God in that moment. I think when it comes to the why, everybody, that this is one of the big frustrations, is it feels like I'm constantly having to do good so that I can get better. Do y'all know what I mean by that? God, I'm going to try not to say this today. I'm going to try not to do this today. I'm going to try to go through these motions today. I'm going to try, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. And I constantly feel like I fail, and therefore I'll never be what I want to be. This is what I want you to know. Let this be freedom in you today. You are not doing good so that you become better. You are doing what God's called you to do because that's who you already are and you're just not walking into it quite yet. You are in, when you are in Christ Jesus, he has fulfilled everything that you are. You just have to walk in what he has done. You don't have to try harder to be what he's called you to be. You have to just continue to be what he's called you to be. And that's the tension is I feel like it's on me. It's not on me. I just have to pour out what he's given me. I have to pour out my gift, my talent, my resources and everything and say, God, whatever you want to do and wherever you want to go, it's about you. But this is what happens in my life, everybody. And maybe it's just me in here. God, if I had a little bit more of this, I'd talk a little bit more to you. But I need you to bring this to the table, and maybe a little bit of your water. I need some rain in my life, the picture of grace. I need you to pour down your blessing on me. I'll talk to you again. And in anger, instead of speaking to the rock when difficulty comes our way, we end up cursing the rock of our salvation. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and tongue will confess that he is Lord. There is no name under heaven by which we must be saved that is even at his feet, is what the Bible says. Everything is under the feet of Jesus. And yet in these moments when I'm suffering and difficulty through whatever it is that is your struggle, instead of speaking to the rock, I strike the rock. Because I so want the bread. I want y'all to know this as a principle. God wants to bless his people. God blesses his children so we can bless others and then point people to him. But that is not how it feels to live in God-blessed America, does it? I need y'all to talk to me in here. Is that how it feels? Does it feel like people are talking about this, that, that the reason that God continues to pour down his blessing on people, and you're like, Pastor, I'm not blessed, so you're not talking to me in here. If you got here this morning, and I'm pretty sure you're here, right? If you got here this morning, you're blessed. Even if someone picked you up, you're blessed. In third world countries today, you can't find a car to save your life. No one has power in some of these countries. There's a cell phone for every hundred people, and it is jacked up in ghetto if y'all know what I'm talking about. Holding the phone a certain way, trying to figure out how it's working. You bless people with $15 worth of food for an entire month to an entire family. And yet because one thing goes wrong, I turn my back on God and say, that wasn't enough for me. This has to be enough for you or this will never be enough for you. This isn't the point. He is this. 
And so all that you get to see is all that he wants you to pour out on the rock so that he can bring the blessing. But I miss it because of the next slide. Let me just show it to you. My identity, who I am, is bound by my view of the blessing. So let me tell you what I mean by that. Because I feel like there's, there could be some pushback. You can talk in 140 characters on Twitter with a really cool picture that you framed the right way like Jordan preached a few weeks ago with the perfect filter on Instagram. I don't do Snapchat, but y'all can do Snapchat if you want to and do all those things. And, and Facebook, and I get more characters and I can talk more and make myself sound really spiritual. But at the end of the day, who I am by myself is a reflection of what I believe about what I deserve. And so when I get caught up and fed up and frustrated, it's not because of what he's done for me and what he's doing in me, but what I believe I deserve. Because I say things like this. God, why do they have and I don't? Am I the only one? It's quiet in here. I don't know who I'm preaching to. I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to like three people, but I don't know if anybody else in here feels this tension. God, if you really love me, why would you leave me right there? I'm going to preach, and I don't know if anybody's going to receive it back and talk to me in this place. I just wonder if God ever talked to us back, and he doesn't because he is gracious and merciful, and he loves us, and his, his love is new every morning, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But if he ever answered us back, I wondered if he'd say this. I sent you the rock who was my son, who was perfect, who was the firstborn of all creation. I sent him to take your place. He is the first and last and who is to come. He is perfect in every way. And he offers you salvation. He offers you a new name and a new hope. And the only thing you want to fix your eyes on is the bread, not Jesus. Now, I don't think he would do it with a high-pitched, crazy squealing yell like I did, but I just wonder. I just wonder. So I want to teach you three things that I've learned that God's taught me recently of how God chooses to use how he blesses us to point people to him. Now listen to this. To point people to him. The purpose of the bread, when God broke the bread in John chapter 6, wasn't so people walked away and said, man, those disciples... Some of y'all will find this tough with theology, but Jesus didn't even want all the attention on him. He wanted people to be pointed to the Father. He said that over and over. If you know me, you know the Father. Your existence, your creation, the, the purpose that you were made in the image of God, by the way, is to glorify him with all you do and to leave your mark because it's his mark to shine your light on him. And so the reason that you are blessed is to bless others, period. Now look at this, three principles that I learned. Number one, the Abraham principle. Some of y'all may struggle with this one. I love it because it's something that God taught me so much. I used to criticize pastors that have like these big blogs years ago, big fan pages. A lot of people know their name. Then I thought about this. You're welcome to disagree with me. I'm not mad at you if you do, because this might be new for some of you. Have you ever wondered why God over and over and over said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? 
Couldn't he have just said, I'm God? Isn't that enough? God chooses to elevate and build a platform for some people that's bigger. So guess what? His name is known all the more. Abraham was never the point. Isaac was never the point. Jacob was never the point. But God chooses to elevate some people that listen and that we crush. There are prophets of God today walking around that eat wild locusts and honey that are crazy, that are a little bit different than us. And because we don't understand them in our ignorance, because we don't really get everything that's going on, we crush people that are trying to spread the gospel of the kingdom. Let me tell you who's guilty. This guy. I'm very careful about people that I don't know now. Crushing them down. Because here's the deal. I found when I meet some of these guys and some of these ladies, because it's not about pastors, that they're some of the most humble people you've ever met, and they give so much away. But we look and say, well, that guy's got a big house, so he is awful. Don't judge somebody's harvest if you've never seen their seed, everybody. This is what, this is what God said to Abraham in Genesis Chapter 12, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. Y'all, I'm just telling you this. You can take it for what it's worth, and I'm going to keep moving. When I get around some of these guys, I sow seed into them because I'm not going to sow seed in generosity in a place that I don't want something to grow. Y'all ever tried to grow a garden where, the, where it's red clay and nasty and everything's bad? When that soil is black and delicious and you just looks like you can eat it, if you throw a shoelace down it, it is something, a shoe's going to grow, everybody. I want that soil. And so when I get around these people, I sow into them because they're blessing me. And I believe the Abraham principle. I will bless those that bless you. And, and in him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Principle number two is reap and sow. Y'all know this one. Even if you don't believe in God, you believe this one because you talk about karma. But this came from God, not some Eastern religion, everybody. And I just picked these verses in Luke 6. Judge not or you'll be judged. Condemn not so you, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and then you will be forgiven. And then I love this one. Woo! This is good. Give and it will be given to you a good measure. Press down. This is like flour, y'all, if y'all have ever cooked. This is like flour, how, how your mama used to tell you to push it down and then, then make sure you get as much in there as you can because we got to have a good measure. Shaking, running over. And it will be put into your lap. Or another verse says, poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, your gift, your talent, your resources, it will be measured back to you. Here's the why. I'm not looking at what I've got and saying, God, how much do I have to do to get by? I'm looking and saying, y'all better talk to me in this place. I want a good measure, pressed down, shaking, running over. I want to be able to use it to the point that God says, yes, I'm running it over. Now use it more. Now use it more. Now use it more because I want to show everybody that I'm the way. Keep going. Keep going. Keep doing more. Keep doing more. But most of us look at our lives and say, for real, they want me to come to one and serve one? Like, that's a lot of time. That's a tenth of one day, everybody. <laughs> I mean, woo, right? I'm thankful, by the way. Please don't hear me demean that. But I'm just saying, that's the least I can do. You know what I mean? I know I'm crazy, so I'm owning it today, but 
I want a good measure running over. I don't want to look and say, God, what's the minimum I can do? This is the last one's the balance principle. That just means like a weighted scale, you know, one side and the other. The, the thing I was about to call it is the Spider-Man, but it is in the Bible, but the Spider-Man principle, if y'all know, always on Spider-Man in the different, even the different series. Peter Parker's uncle says to him, to whom much is given, much is required. Y'all look at this in Luke chapter 12. But the one who did not know, who was ignorant to the things and did what deserved a beating, he'll receive a light beating. But listen to every one of you who's been greatly blessed by the bread, who has unbelievable gifts and talents, how God made them. Everyone to whom much was given, much will be required. And listen to this. From him to whom they have entrusted with much, they will demand the more. The more, listen, that God has blessed you, the more that he asks for back. Because he does everything that he does on purpose. He does not live in our time. He does not live in the way that we live. He does everything that he does on purpose so that people know his name. Y'all listen, this is the principle. These things are the principles of why people don't believe God. And it's because we want to hoard it for ourselves. And this is not just about money. This is about loving people. I, uh, another day of doing this. If God has blessed you richly with talent, he demands more back. And the minute that I say no more, this is the deal. I'm, I'm just telling you and I'm going to move on to the finish. If I'm not looking at how much I can, but saying how much do I have to, then I just wonder in this place today, did I look at the rock and say, become bread? And did I lay down my life, but not before the king of kings, but before the tempter who can offer me bread instead of the rock? Because if he could offer Jesus everything, if he just simply bowed down, then I believe he can offer us the exact same thing. And that's why I don't have a litmus test of how many people you have in your church to the pastor's. Because there's many faithful men that have prayed and beaten their brow for years and they have 100 people in their church. And there's many faithful wives and women that serve God continuously over and over and you wonder, God, where is my breakthrough? Until this is enough, this will always leave you empty. This is not the point. He is the point. And until he becomes enough, I will constantly look at what I don't have and judge myself against what everybody else is doing. God has only called you to radical obedience and a little bit of faith. But he has to be the point of everything that you do. And I just love this, y'all. This is, this is my dream vision for our church, the next verse. This is kind of the reason we don't take up an offering, if y'all have ever wondered. I can't stand manipulation. We're going to do it sometime. Please don't misunderstand but I've always felt in my heart that if the only reason that I give is because someone else is looking at me and I need, they need to see me drop something in the bucket or the basket or the plate, then I am putting you under a curse that is terrible. But look what happens when God's people start coming. On the first day of every week, each of you should put something aside and store it up. This is monetary. As he has prospered, and to whom much is given, much is required. And the more you're given, the more you're asked of. And if you ever say, by the way, when I get a lot, I will, let me promise you before God, that's not true. If you don't start with one out of 10 as a principle, 100,000 out of a million, 
You know what I'm talking about. That's a house, everybody. And then listen, listen. So there will be no collecting when I come. Now, what about that? Paul was saying to the church when he was coming there, we're not going to take up an offering because y'all are going to give out of your own cheerful hearts. And so we do have four ways to give. But if I have to manipulate you, God help us all. Skip the next verse and go to the last one. This is how I want to close. What does it profit, Mark Pangle, if I gain the whole world? So, like, I have goals, y'all. I'm just going to be real with y'all right now. I want Four Points Church to make a kingdom impact that is radical, that people look back and say, man, that was crazy. And if we get on, like, TV shows or something, which we don't have plans to do, and we have all these things that happen and people know our names around the world, and everybody says that church is awesome, and we do whatever we want to do that is the whole world to us and forfeit our souls. Or maybe to you, you know Jesus, but the souls all around you because you were so focused on what you wanted to accomplish that you forgot to go first to Jesus. For what can I bring and then do in return for my soul? And see, here's how I feel the tension freed in my life is what I went crazy about just a minute ago. The first time someone poured out everything was not a man, but it was God who poured out his son and said, listen, no longer do you have to pay the debt with sacrifice every year because I've paid that debt for you. And now what I want you to do in return is just pour yourself out every day as a drink offering as Jesus was. Like Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is our act of worship. That is the will of God for our lives. And if in my life I say, God, what do I need to do to get by? That's not living your fullest life in Jesus. And it's because we put so much focus on what we can have that we miss the point of what he gave. He gave his life so that I could have life and so that I could live off every word that he says. He is your bread, everybody. He is the sustainer in the living water. It's not what you get. It's what you get to give. And the more you do that with your time, with your talents, with your money, the more he does. There's not a better place you can invest than the local church, even if it's not this church. Because we are the light, the city set on the hill that can't be hidden as a body. Not this place, but the, the, the broad church. And my call to you is this. Have you ever trusted Jesus as your Savior? Because one thing that you'll know how is if Jesus saved you so that you can get, then maybe you never really met the King of Kings. And it feels frustrating and mundane to go through the motions. Then maybe you just need a fresh wind and fresh fire in your life because you're probably saved. But I just want to give you the opportunity. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, we have people that will be at the back at the Next Steps desk, but we want you to tell us that today. And on the back of your cards, it says, I'm accepting Jesus Christ. This is what trusting Christ means. It's calling on the name of the Lord and trusting him as Lord of your life and you will be saved. And we want to know, we want to help you walk. And then for everybody else, we're about to sing a song that's one of my favorite songs, y'all.
and it's called the rock won't move. I need you to know that when you're feeling stuck with where you are, there's one in your life that'll never move. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And instead of striking the rock and cursing the rock, we should do what God called Moses to do and speak to the rock because he's the same and he loves you and he serves you and he cares for you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. And the hope that you have is not in the next this, but in the first this, everybody. God, we love you so much. And today our prayer is not that we'll be better and the best at and the first to do and the brightest and the, but God, simply that we're known for Everything that you poured out to us, we just wanted to pour out to others. God, I believe that you wait on miracles in churches all over the world till the people begin to pour their water out on the rock and say, it's all yours anyway, Lord. And who am I and who are my people that we should get to give what's already all yours because everything comes from you and everything is given by you. So Lord, today, we just declare that you're the king that you're our Savior, and that we love you so much. Thank you, Lord, for being the bread of life, for being our identity, for calling us sons and daughters. And today we just lift our hands and lift our voices, and we shout to you, we love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Y'all stand with us.